Welcome to Help from Future Self. Howdy, Archons. Welcome to a very special episode of Help from Future Self, a conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. My name is Scuzzy Gruen. My mom calls me Alex, and I am joined this week by my good friend, the person that I have played the most Keyforge with out of anybody in the entire world. It's the Wheeling Keyforger, Rick. Hey, how you doing, bud? Good, thanks. And of course... The guy who makes it all happen. It's Coach Boulevard Paper Fight. What's the haps, Blake? Hey, guys. So good to be on this episode uh, talking about mass mutations. That's what I meant by a very special episode. The set just came out, and we've had the opportunity to play a bunch of games since the product actually made it to Canada. We actually got a bit of a jumpstart over some of the other folks in our local community uh, and played a couple of games just because uh, Blake had a hookup. Thank you very much, Blake. Much appreciated. Much appreciated. My pleasure. And uh, yeah, this is just going to be an episode where we talk about our first impressions. Let's maybe clarify that not only did we get to play and get a jumpstart, but we were actually playing IRL because we are lucky enough to have a game store that has some good protocols in place that allow us to do so, as well as our own uh, area that we live has uh, seemed to be not taking the hit like some other places are right now in terms of increases. So we're truly blessed to have this opportunity. Not sure if it's going to continue, though, based on how things are going. In one of our channels, I heard that we got hit last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big uh, jump up in in COVID cases here in BC over the course of the last couple of days. So honestly, um, just to reiterate a point that we've made several times on the podcast already, if you are living in a place where there is IRL play, please, 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 if you choose to do it, be safe, wash your hands, make sure that the store is sanitizing, make sure that there's hand sanitizer and cleaning supplies available so that you can clean your spot, wear a mask. If there's plastic dividers, that's a place you want to be. Um, yeah. And don't touch other people's stuff. Yes. That's the big one. Fondle your own stuff, not other people's stuff. It's a good, good, no fondling. Okay. (laughs) Unless it's your own (laughs) stuff. I think uh, a guy could get arrested for fondling his own stuff in a game store. With that said, (laughs) Um, I, I actually just quickly wanted to, to note based on that, we adjusted to playing without touching the other person's tokens or cards very quickly. Like I find that I didn't have to think about it very hard at all. Like it just instantaneously became habit for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I think also the whole, like, you know, uh, removing two ember and you're like, all right, capturing two ember, putting it on this creature, that acknowledgement, it created a great level of gameplay and communication, which I think is not a bad thing at all. Mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. i agree 100 percent. the one downside i will say that i noticed from us playing is that uh, the amount of time i can play is reduced because of the glare of having that plexiglass i found it actually added a strain to my eyes so i had to uh like three hours i feel like is the absolute max i can play now with because of that also the fact that we're playing mass mutation and guys <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about what makes this set so different and in some ways more complex than any other keyforge set that preceded it but before we get to that if you've been listening to the show leading up to this you're aware that we've been talking about cards just in the abstract here's a card that we think would be cool here's a card that i'm interested in seeing here's an over under you know, uh, here here's just sort of a what would you rather have type of card. Now we're actually getting to season the cards in practice. But what we thought would be a fun way to start off this week would be to talk a little bit about cards that were just not on our radar. And now we're absolutely in love with just at first blush. Uh, why don't you get us started, Blake? What's the card that you weren't really thinking about till you started playing with it? And then all of a sudden we're just super into. 
So the card for me is a Shadows card. It's an artifact. It's called Safe House. You get an Ember Pip for playing it, and it has a action ability of Archive a Friendly Creature from Play. Now, the reason why this hit me more of a shock of how amazing it was than my first impression was obviously archiving a friendly creature is great but i didn't really realize you know how the distribution of creatures and commons and whatnot would end up in decks because that's the one when you see the set as a whole you you see basically infinite possibilities potentially but when do you actually start seeing deck lists come together and the compositions you start to see what you're going to actually see frequently together and there's some really interesting commons that exist within the shadow suite and so Oddly enough, my realization of this came when I was playing with Rick on the weekend, and that was um, the uh, Subtle Auto card, which is has a playability of getting to discard a random card from your opponent's hand, was really, really cool. And I was able to do some fun things where I had this deck with triple tempting offer. So I was bouncing things to Rick's hand, playing Subtle Auto, getting rid of something, and then I was using my safe house to archive it again and just repeating it over and over which is a lot of fun it was brutal <laughs> yeah it was, it was a little bit punishing even even on my end yes it was considerably fun because it was just something cool to see but yeah that's that's a brutal brutal beatdown. yeah and then it made, made me also realize that bone nothing who i fondly refer to as bow nothing because a lot of the time it's not doing nothing mm -hmm. uh actually becomes better with this card because you can just play it do whatever and i have one with a capture icon on it so it has that value then throw it in the archives and then pull it back later when it's actually going to do some work for you so i realize that safe house with the shadows creatures available means they're small and they're not that sticky they're quite squishy you can just plop them down get their play effect and then literally utilize safe house to save them for a rainy day which is is really great so I'm big ups on Safe House. Terrific card. And I'm really excited to see all the different variations that you can get out of a card like that because it's going to interact mm -hmm. so differently in so many different decks. Rick, yeah. I understand that you had a, a little combo that uh, you want to talk about or two cards that fit well together. Yeah. In Worlds Collide, I just absolutely adore Senator Shrix. So when I saw Citizen Shrix, I looked at it and I'm like, hmm, I don't know. I like the steel one and the exalting, but I just, I don't know how it's going to play. And when I saw the monument, I'm like, hmm, again, I'm really not sure how it's going to go, but the two of them together might be really cool. So I'm hoping to get them both, which I got them both. And oh my God, they can speed up your key generation. And you don't have, because you have them on the, the ember on the monument, you don't need it in your pool therefore it's not being stolen so that mm -hmm. also helps yeah that's super cool i think i think personally that's the best monument by for my opinion yeah, literally. If, if you're not familiar with uh, the card, Monument to Shrix is you may spend money on Monument to Shrix as if it was in your pool. Action, move one from your pool to Monument to Shrix. If Citizen Shrix is in your discard pile, move one from any player's pool to Monument to Shrix instead. That's bonkers. Thank yeah. you for that, Alex. I forgot to do that. <laughs> it's just a, yeah. an absolutely disgusting card. And you're right. It was not on my radar, even in the slightest. But those two things together, like, it, it almost makes it uh, incentivizes your opponent not to kill Shrix if Shrix is on the board because unless they have the artifact control, they're literally making out a possibility for stuff people to take uh, Amber out of their pool and put it on their monument and then get to use it like a delayed steal. It's gross. 
Yeah, I also found that um, the the idea of citizen shirks is really interesting because the proposition of you're going to steal one ember and put it in your pool, but then you're also putting one on the board that could be utilized against you. Or, or taken back in that way so it's it's almost it's almost like this weird capture except you get the ember at the same time so i i thought that was a really interesting design choice for this card especially seeing it in action so i i thought that was really really cool and i'm excited to see more citizen shrieks in action oh it it there will be trust me i like this deck <laughs> and alex uh, what did you have it seems bonkers that I didn't have this on my radar, but honestly, I didn't give it a single thought until I pulled it in a deck. And my first thought was, oh, that's cool, the Sanctum Leader. It's the Mad Prophet Gizzleheart. That's a name we're all familiar with because it showed up in all kinds of flavor text leading up to it. Here's a big reveal. The Mad Prophet Gizzleheart is a snake. <laughs> Literally, like if you, he's a creature, leader, priest, but the, the, the art depicts a big huge giant white snake with a couple of scribes working for it uh so that was pretty unexpected it is the sanctum house leader here's its power while mad prophet gizzleheart is in the center of your battle line it gains action fully heal each non-mutant creature gain one amber for each creature healed this way so a couple of things right off the bat one there are so many ways that you can abuse this because it's not just your creatures, it's your opponent's creatures. So if you can send your Sanctum guys over to fight on the other side and then you, they, you can then heal up your own guys or in the case if your guy died in the fight with the Sanctum or with your opponent's creature, you can heal that creature if it's a non-mutant and get Amber out of it, it's totally bananas. So there are just tons and tons and tons of different fight effects that are going on in Sanctum right now. And not only that, there's a ton of ways that you can protect Mad Prophet Gizzleheart with the cards that are in Sanctum right now. So, I mean, between things like Seeker of Truth that lets you have all kinds of fights during your turn with non-Sanctum uh, creatures, uh, with all the taunt that's going on in Sanctum, it's uh, I've gotten so much value out of this card. I really love it to death. As a leader, I don't know that it ranks as highly as like the all-time classic leaders. We're talking Captain Valjerico, Maybe as good as Lord Invidious, I'd have to I'd have to really sort of think about that. But uh, I just I'm I'm really big on it, and I think it's really worthy of being a, uh, a house leader. This is the kind of power that Calic Stonefather should have had. Instead of just giving everybody skirmish, there should have been a way to like incentivize fighting the way that this does. Oh, definitely, it's a cleansing wave on a stick, basically, which is such a great Sanctum card. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Woo-wee! So, why don't we get into it? Mass Mutation. My first thought, and I wanted to put this to both of you, is, is this the most complex Keyforge set that we have yet seen in terms of the amount of card interaction that happens in the average game? Blake, what do you think? I don't think I can comment yet, because, unfortunately, we are also learning everything coming together, so it's going to instantly have that level of complexity because we're not used to it. I remember feeling the same way about Worlds Collide. Like I think we almost had this exact conversation. So until we get a couple months in and have actually played it a lot and gotten used to the way things work, I don't think I can really fully say it is more complex than Worlds Collide, but it is 100% a very complex set and there is a lot of interactions. I think the one difference that exists within this set that has been different to the previous is the the need to pay attention to traits because of mutant and non-mutant being such a strong theme that can exist within cards. Mm -hmm. You have to be very aware of your own board and your opponent's board and the symmetrical effects that could work one way or the other for or against you. 
Agreed. Rick, what are your thoughts? Do you find this to be a little more complex than the other sets when you're playing it, or are you still trying to figure out? I'm still trying to figure it out, but it's definitely on on par with Worlds Collide, if not a little bit more complex. But I'm I'm loving the discovery and the experience that I'm having learning about it as I play these new cards and the new decks. I'm still playing out my first 12. I haven't played them all yet, so I don't know what they're going to be like yet. I'm going to go at a limb here, and I'm going to suggest that it is, in fact, the most complex set that we've seen so far. And I mean that for a couple of reasons. One, Blake, I'm really glad you mentioned the trait thing, because that was something that I was going to bring up. Having to really pay attention to who's a mutant and who's not a mutant makes a big deal in this. But in addition to that, there are so many effects that are triggered by various things that I find that turns take longer because you are constantly tracking, okay, if I hit a board clear, what are all the destroy triggers? Or if I hit a thing that causes uh, multiple captures to happen or things to happen to captured Amber, how does that impact everything on both sides of the board? There's tons of symmetrical effects, I think more so than in any other time in Keyforge. Don't quote me on that, but I, it feels like there is. And so honestly, even though we're still learning, I just feel like the complexity is, is right there on the face of the set. It is a set that demands that you pay really close attention to what's happening in the game. Um, I find that even with the decks that I'm now sort of familiar with because I've been playing them quite a bit, I'm just, I, it's difficult for me to go on autopilot because I'm constantly thinking one, two, maybe even three turns ahead based around more complex and deeper combos that are possible due to the various traits that we've talked about. And uh, a lot of artifacts genuinely have a lot of really cool powers in this set as well that require a little bit of setup. So not just like uh, the the safe house that you mentioned, Blake, but I'm thinking also like Book of Malediction and stuff like that. Uh, it mm-hmm. really does create a ton of value proposition type questions. And that's the kind of Keyforge I love. So uh, I'm, I'm genuinely loving it. How would you rate the fun level of this set? I'm finding it a ton of fun. Rick, Rick I want to I hear your, your hot take on the, the fun factor. I might get a few laughs out of this, but I'm just something that I've heard n- numerous times from my gamer friends, and I'm just going to go with over 9,000. It's some Dragon Ball Z or something reference. <laughs> so the, the fun is over 9,000. Yeah. That's the power level. <laughs> yep. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. I mean, I find the most fun about these decks is that you can't just look at the Archon card anymore. Mm-hmm. Like you got to crack your decks and see where the enhancements are going in what way they're going and just seeing it all come together. Like the enhancements have definitely created this extra level to your decks that you cannot anticipate or fully understand until you've actually looked at it and seen what's happened. Uh, there's such things as anti-synergy, uh, in terms of enhancements, like I have a Neuro Siphon that has a Capture Ember on it, which you don't want because that card is already sometimes kind of finicky to pull off and having your opponent get one less Ember plus you're gaining an Ember makes it even more tricky. Yep. Uh, and then there's other cards you have that actually benefit you doing this, which is a Capture Ember on Axiom of Grisk, which is always fun because you're just getting one more creature you know you can save with your Axiom. I think that Axiom of Grisk might have actually downgraded this set because there's so much capture going on. For there's sure. so much amber in the game, which is the thing I want to talk about. But I do, before we move on to that, I'm never ever going to have a sealed deck from this set. Any deck that I purchase and 
uh, but uh, like I have tons and tons and tons of sealed decks from every set. I've got sealed Age of Ascension, I got sealed Coda, and I've got sealed uh, uh, decks from Worlds Collide that are just sitting in boxes because I looked at the Archon card and I instantly knew everything about the deck and was just like, yeah, maybe I'll play it online and see if it's good, but I'm not opening it because I'm probably not going to play it in person and it's easier for me to store this way. I will open every single Mass Mutation deck because I gotta know where those uh, enhancements are because every time I see an enhancement on a card, it's the coolest thing. It adds such another layer and another dimension. So absolutely perfect that you brought this up in the context of the question of is this set fun to play? Because not only does it make the game more fun to play because it's impossible now to completely know everything that's going to happen by looking at an Archon card, it also makes your decks that much more unique. And the unique deck thing is part of one of the, it's the funnest aspect of Keyforge to me. So yep. yeah, I just I just feel like the discovery uh, shout out to our friends at Call of Discovery. Uh, aspect is through the roof with this set. Mm-hmm. And Alex, I feel like that's a perfect segment to go into maybe some of the best or favorite enhancements that we've come across thus far in our deck openings. So Rick, I know you got one that you're just dying to talk about. Yeah, um, I think we all know that one of my least favorite cards thus far has been Quixelstone. I pulled a Quixelstone deck with with an Amber capture and a draw enhancement. So I'm hope I'm wondering if this this version of the card will actually allow me to like the card a little bit. But every time I played this deck, Quixelstone has not come to my hand, so I haven't actually got to play with it yet. So I don't know. <laughs> Jam some more games. You'll get there. Yes, Alex. What about you? What enhancement has really stuck out for you so far? I got a causal loop with a card draw. So if you're not familiar with Causal Loop, it's a Logos action that's archive a card, archive Causal Loop. So you play Causal Loop, draw a card, and you have that many more cards to actually like decide which one you're going to archive with the Causal Loop for future reference. And like it seems like a small thing, but in practice, it is such a huge high cycle thing. If you combine stuff like that with uh, having a couple of Infomorphs in your deck, and I've got in the very deck that I have that Causal Loop with a card draw three infomorphs suddenly these logos decks are going ten thousand miles an hour logos is top house this set so far as far as i can tell like uh, there's nobody else is close to them i think in terms of what they can do if you have the right layout of cards it's bananas logos hasn't been one of the best houses in every single set without fail it's the one house that has never really taken a nerf uh, mm-hmm. In any set, you could. Ar- the only argument is that in AOA it had no Ember control. That's it. But other than that, everything else it had was amazing. So, yeah, Logos is staying true to its colors, which is uh, pretty cool. What about you, Blake? My bonus icons that I've been really interested in. Uh, well, my most favorite one, without a doubt, has to be my very first deck I opened, which had an old Bruno with two Ember pips on it. So you're <laughs> capturing three and you're gaining two. That that five Ember swing is just so tasty. It's my absolute favorite thing I've opened and love. Um, I I thought that deck was was pretty meh when I first like looked at it and, and um, looking at the sass, which we'll touch on in a bit later. Um, but now that I've played it and gone to see it, I absolutely love it. And the fact that it has Transporter Platform and Fangtooth Cavern just adds so many cool aspects to it that I really wasn't thinking about until I played it. But on top of that, I happen to have a really, really dope deck that has two gateway to disses, 
where one has two drop hips and the other one has one drop hip. And I just love that aspect. Getting to draw some cards and maybe cycle into some creatures while you're wiping the board just seems really good. It does have the caveat where you may not be able to shed chains if you overdraw potentially, but I still like that cycling aspect that does exist within it. So um, that are those are my favorite icons that I've opened so far. Yeah, and we're just going to see more and more interesting ones as time goes by. Like we mentioned, obviously, uh, uh, Axiom of Grisk having a capture on it. Uh, one with two or three captures would be absolutely bananas. Although, as I mm -hmm. mentioned, now that there's so much amber in the game, it's a little less reliable in terms of it acting as a one-sided board wipe than at any point in the past. But we're also mm -hmm. seeing a huge amount of value uh, attributed to cards that we, some of which were quite good in previous eras and now are absolutely killer. Guys, Snudge is an absolutely murderous card now. Yep. Yep. 100%. So if you're not familiar with Snudge, he's a Coda creature who is fight, reap, return an artifact or flank creature to its opponent's hand. It's artifact control and flank creature control all in one. Snudge is amazing in this set just because there are so many targets that have to be dealt with and there are so many killer artifacts. Having the ability to deal with them, like turn over, turn over, turn if your opponent doesn't take Snudge off the board, it's incredible. Yeah, classic discard. I also wanted to give a shout out to Equalize. Um, Equalize, super bananas now um, because there's so much amber in the game that the ability to move all of your amber off of your vulnerable guys to guys that are protected behind a taunt or elusive and then put all of the captured opponent that might be on your opponent's creatures onto somebody vulnerable, it's huge. It's, it can be an absolute game winner. Uh, I have a deck where you can put that under Master Plan, which feels extremely good when you pull it off. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. For me, something that I've I've noticed uh, playing this is I've really been enjoying the card uh, Chronos mm -hmm. because of the fact that it not only gives you two draw enhancements, but it says also has the passive ability is after you resolve a draw bonus icon, you may archive a card. Like it's so good. Like Chronos is is almost like a must kill when it hits the board, which is not the same as other creatures. Like as great as Infomorph is for giving you the bonus icons, once it hits the the board, it's just a four power creature. Mm. Having this one less health, but being able to have that passive ability makes I think Chronos. In my opinion, I think it's the best enhancement card. Guys, I, I this brings up an interesting point. I am not a big fan of the cards whose sole importance is giving uh enhancements to other cards and then they're just creatures when they hit the board it makes me absolutely mm -hmm. insane like uh the fact that um uh, who's the shadows guy who just puts three uh damage pips in your deck um isn't it mutant cut purse i yes. think so yeah yeah that guy sucks i hate him like he's yep. just a creature I'm, when I'm, he gets I'm, the I'm, board i've already decided that i don't want anything to do with that card it's gonna be discard every time <laughs> well i mean you, you, i'm not gonna discard it but well yeah but it's it's just it's so like I don't know it's I I think it's the damage pips too like if it gave some mm -hmm. like if it gave card draw I don't think you'd feel the same way because infomorph you don't think that much about you're just like yeah I'm getting two draws so I don't care it's it's that that individual damage that I think is is kind of interesting so it's I think the enhancement matters as well as the nullification because you also have is it Gloriana's attendant in yeah. Untamed yep. it's literally a one power creature. And it gives you, it's putting two cards 
in uh, two bonus pips on a card. So that's basically how I have my old Bruno. But I've noticed that if you have, there's some cards that it works well with. Uh, for example, if you have a, like in that deck, it has Fangtooth Cavern. So I actually don't really want to play that card because then I almost always have the lowest power creature. But I believe the deck also has a low dawn. So I'm more likely to just discard that. And then it allows me to basically have the low dawn potentially trigger. Or if you're feeling really saucy and you can get probably one of the hottest cards in the set, which is Auto Encoder, which allows you anytime you discard a card from your hand, you get to archive the top card of your deck. It just makes those vanilla cards become, yeah, I will discard this because I'd rather cycle my deck faster then play this card, which isn't going to do anything but be vanilla creature. So I have to give a shout out to that card. I think there's very few people who would argue with me that it's not one of the best cards in the set. It's one of those ones that doesn't seem like it until the first time you play with it and then realize how much extra value you get out of discarding a card that's going to provide you a lot of value on the board just so that you can take something out of your deck plus you're drawing up like it's 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 mm-hmm. you're double dipping on it but it doesn't seem like that until you actually start doing it um yeah. the weird thing about gloriana's intent just to rewind very slightly is it's dust pixie like but delayed because the amber pips that would be on dust pixie end up on other creatures and stuff mm-hmm. or on other yeah. actions or on other artifacts and so you just end up with the gloriana's attendant card just like taking up space and it's there, so weird it sucks, man. Like, who wants a dead draw? It's no fun. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but then you're also getting two embers. So it's it's such a hard, it's such an interesting trade-off, though. Like, I think that card is, is like, the epitome of a trade-off. It's like you're getting two more ember, raw ember, but it's not necessarily going to be in one place. And I think that's almost a good thing, though, because we're starting to see this in furnaces did not go away. And so nope. not having it on one creature and maybe being on two instead also... Uh, spreads it out so it's kind of interesting i don't know i find that a a really unique one because of the way it is but you're right you're still left with like a toad essentially except you can reap yeah toad is yeah (laughs) toad's still around he's still here oh my goodness um i'm still like you know now now that i've played so many so many games with toad and with xenos blood shadow my my opinion has not changed xenos is a dope creature but Boards are too volatile. It's too easy to get rid of creatures with spot removal and with bounce. It's just not worth the dead draw of Toad for me still to this day, especially because mm. there's lots of dope creatures that you don't have to take a loss on to put something on the board. All that said, before we get out of here, I did want to talk about how much Amber is in the game right now. There is so much Exalt in every house and there is so much Capture. I feel like every game I play, there's just tons and tons of Amber sitting on creatures waiting for a board clear to happen. Um, So the game feels extremely volatile to me at all times. Um, Do you think it's worth holding back on all those Exalt effects or have you guys just been going for it? Because I'll be honest with you, I've just been going for it. I have never lived my life um cautiously <laughs> in any aspect so yeah i just go full bore <laughs> you're a wild man rick i found that i've ended up having the faust the great which rewards you and delays keys and stuff by having faust the great and captured ember so as a result of that it's led me to allowing the exalt to happen because it's having that auxiliary benefit of keeping my opponent off check and then if they do have a board clear or something, then they're getting the Ember back anyways. So it's kind of that double-edged sword in that sense. So I kind of don't really worry about it as much. But I definitely have noticed the increase in Ember and also the feeling that Gateway to Dis is such a powerful card in this set. 
Oh yeah. yeah. The fact that they brought back gateway and that gateway now just like, it just, it just, it pounds everything. Like it's mm-hmm. so amazingly good. It's incredible. Uh, I have to take a quick moment here to note the fact that there's been a lot of talk about SAS with the new set. Um, it's the exact same thing that we saw with Worlds Collide, uh, which is that when the new set comes out, everything is a best guess. So you're seeing a lot of cards get overrated and a lot of cards get underrated. And that's going to equalize with time. Um, the folks that run Decks of Keyforge do a fantastic job of adjusting things as they go on. And as cards show their value through gameplay, uh, they keep stats on those as well so that they can see which cards are involved in winning decks and which cards are not involved in winning decks they're slowly going to adjust this but if you're looking at the decks you just pulled and going wow i have like five decks over 70 out of the 10 decks i opened get ready for that to change you're going to see a lot of decks fall and you're going to see a lot of decks rise personally this was really hit home for me because the deck that i have that's lowest rated out of the ones that i opened is my favorite to play and is actually super good um, it's a little weak on Amber control, but it goes like a bat out of hell when it comes to Amber generation. And man, oh man, like I went toe to toe with a, an old school burst deck uh, in Coda the other day and only lost by like one or two Amber. So I, I think you're definitely going to see some adjustment to SAS. So keep keep your eyes on decks of Keyforge and don't get discouraged if it looks like every deck you pulled doesn't look like it's that great just based on SAS. Things are going to change over time. Yeah, this is definitely a set that you're going to have to play. Oh yeah, in my- I've only gotten one display so far, but in my display goes from all the way from 75 to 61. So there's a yeah, big spread. That's pretty good. I mean, I, I noticed there's less really low decks in this set so far. Like I haven't seen a lot of below 60 decks, which is also a thing that's going to have to change at some point. So that could also maybe, if that's the case though, and it doesn't really change, that may mean they've actually designed a kind of balanced set, which I do feel is something that exists in mass mutations is we're seeing across the board is that there are some houses that are better than others, but there isn't the discrepancy of being like, holy crap, this one is way worse than the rest. Like it may not be as good as the others, but it still has the ability to go toe to toe, which you cannot say with all the houses in all the previous sets. So that's really cool. Yep, I agree. All right. Can't end an episode of Help from Future Self without the segment we like to call Help from Future Self. Self. I got one for us this week. This is an old lesson, but it's one that I had strike home with me just this past weekend. And it is especially when you are looking at a brand new set, you have to do your absolute best to try and understand the card as written and not make any mental jumps or assumptions based on what you think the card does. Read the card and think hard about what the words actually mean. Do you guys know Lady Lorena? Never actually heard of it, I don't think. (laughs) I heard of it, but I can't remember what it does off the top. Lady Lorena, six power, three armor. She's she's a big gal. She's going to stay on the table. She's in House Sanctum. She's got Taunt. Lady Lorena's taunt also applies to its neighbor's neighbors. Now, that wording Mm. is a little awkward, but for the first couple of games, the way I was playing it was her taunt gives her neighbor's neighbor's taunt. That is not how the card works. Oh? How the card works is that her taunt applies to the neighbor of her neighbors. So she's like a super taunt. Real wide. (laughs) Exactly. Oh, okay. Now, yeah, I thought the exact same thing. I remember, I think I was playing against you, Alex, when you were like, no, actually, it doesn't work that way. And I was like, whoa, this is cool. 
Yeah, yeah. So I, I really dig the card. I think that it's a wonderful Sanctum creature, just uh, absolute value out of having something that's going to take nine power to take off the board, protecting things that far out. But, yeah. you know, I, I had played so many games, uh, you know, just online where I was trying to figure out why isn't this working the way I think it is. And it's because I had made a mental jump from what I thought the card said to playing the card that way instead of actually taking the time to think about how the card was actually played. So as you're learning this new set, just take a little bit of extra time, a couple extra seconds if you're unfamiliar with the card, it's your first time playing it, and make sure you understand how the effect works. Does it affect just your friendly creatures? Can it only be played on opposing creatures? Is this an effect that's going to impact the game based on traits? What are the traits that it interacts with? Those are the things that you're going to have to watch out for with this set, because like we said, there's a lot of complexity here. Mm-hmm. All right. You can find us online at Twitter. We are at HFFS Podcast. You can find me as Scuzzy Gruen on Twitter and on Instagram and on The Crucible. I'm going to be on there jamming all kinds of mass mutation. Where can they find you, Rick? On The Crucible at Rickster78 and on Twitter at The Wheeling Key Forger. What about yourself, Blake? You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Boulevard Paper Fight. That's BLVD Paper Fight. And every Tuesday night on Twitch under my channel, Boulevard Blake, BLVD Blake, streaming from 6 to 9 Pacific or 9 o'clock onwards for you East Coasters. Nice. All right. Lots of mass mutation to play, decks to open games to have, lessons to be learned. Very exciting to be here with you, all of our listeners, at the dawn of a new age of Keyforge. We got to get to it. Until next time, stay fortunate.